everybody. Welcome to this anniversary special show, the MTM Podcast, our 52nd episode. We've been doing this for one year. Mark Osterman, Joe Chung are here, and we've got a great show for you. We're going to talk Vegas again. It's been a little while since we talked about Vegas, but we have some real numbers that came out about visitors in June, how many people came, what was the occupancy, what did they actually pay for the rooms, all of that great info to see is the recovery actually happening or do we have a long way to go before it does? And then we're going to dive into Southwest's brand new benefit that they're giving customers. If you have travel credit, you can convert it into points. Not only is that a great deal, and we'll discuss that, but there's some other opportunities that it presents, and we want you to have all of that information. Plus, we have rapid fires, and we'll reminisce a little bit about the last year of doing this show. Thanks so much for listening and for subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go for all of the links or give a friend that URL. Let people know that we're here. mtmpodcast.com is where they can find everything related to the show. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for supporting the show this past year. Now let's hit it. Happy birthday to us. That was almost as good as my singing last week. Joe was giving me a thumbs down, but happy birthday, guys. It's been a year since we've been doing this fine podcast. How do you guys feel? Good. Amazing. My wife My wife told me never to sing on the podcast again, so... Yeah, I was going to say, like, probably, like, the number one rule in podcasting is to never sing. That's what I gave you the thumbs down for. I know I've well, been I, guilty I before, before, but... Started, so I, I that's not going to make the cut. Maybe an, an What album. are you talking about? It's definitely going to make the cut. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with that. If it was a Disney yeah. tune or something we were singing, Joe would be happy then. No, no. Then then we would be uh, sued for copyright infringement. So, you know. Well, you can that. sing... Because we're, you know, we're talking about our birthday. This is fair use as long as we only used, I only sang like a few seconds of it. So, because the happy birthday song is copyrighted too, isn't it? Not is anymore. Copyright. Okay. I was going to say yeah. that's, that's kind of crazy if that's, if that's a it thing. It was no, no, no. for the longest time. It was for the longest time. No, that's why I like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. They can sing the actual happy birthday song now. Yeah. It's out of, it's out of copyright or whatever. what they used to sing? What was the, uh. Just each happy, happy mean, birthday from all of us to you. Something. Yeah, they would sing uh, stuff like that. I've never really noticed that. Like now, now that you did that, we definitely need to leave it in. So restaurants always, <laughs> restaurants always did have like a different. And I thought it was just like the restaurant trying to be fun or quirky or whatever. But no, it's because they didn't want to get sued. That's crazy. Yeah. Anytime wow. you saw it in like a TV show or a movie, they had to pay royalties for it. That, Even yeah. like I the think more you know, happy birthday, Mr. President was like a reason was a way to get around. Uh, the song. Oh, wow. I think, I think I've read that, but it's been a long time, but definitely worth looking into. The There's your fun also, fact for the day. Fun fact. Now we can just go home. We already provided one fun fact. So how's your week been guys? Mark, you still uh, fighting with that cottage up there? And It's actually looking better. It's looking like it's back on. So our inspector seems like he did not do such a great job. <laughs> Okay. Like as far as the foundation, which the biggest holdup was the foundation thing. Um, they sent us because they just bought the house in like February of this year. So they sent us their inspection report from their inspector. And he did say there was um, pillars is what they used for foundation, which is under the home. And it's only like there's a crawl space, but it's only like a foot tall. So you can't really get in there and there's no access to it from inside the home. So it's a really funky setup. So they do have like legit foundation in there that our guy just didn't crawl in deep enough to see or something. So seems like it's fine now. Some of the other issues they're taking care of. So seems like uh, we're back in the good again. Excited, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, you always have to be that when buying a house because I mean, yeah. you know, you can be at the last minute. I, I was at a the signing once on a short sale and 
we found out at the last minute, literally when I was at the table, that there was like a $1,500 lien from the HOA and the bank refused to pay it. And so it was either I got, I had to pay the 1500 out of pocket or walk away from the deal. And so, yeah, you just never, and I did pay the bank knew you'd pay it. They're smart. Yeah. But I mean, it was, they were like, this is the bottom line on the short sale. And literally as I was signing the papers, that's when I was told. So you just never know till the end when something crazy could pop out. I'm curious to see what the appraisal comes in at, because I think it's going to appraise for under the price because we're on the higher end per square foot. So I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out. Like if it comes in, you know, and there's a gap there, that's a whole nother negotiation that we're going to have to do. So we'll see how it plays out. Shame on them for not asking that up front. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be a good news for you if the appraisal comes in low, because it could. Help yeah. Get a- yeah. Get a couple, get a couple thousand knocked off or whatever the price. So I'm kind of uh, hoping it does almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, of course. But then the seller could just say no and walk yeah. away too. So it's true. There's all kinds of stress. Buying a house is never without stress. doesn't matter how simple the deal looks going in. There's always something. Yeah. Unless you're all cash and you're just like, blam, let's go done. All cash. Yeah, you come in all cash time. and you can close in a couple of days, you can do all your, your due diligence and your, you know what you're doing. Then you can tend to avoid that. But I would feel like such a boss if I came in all cash, like, Oh, here's my all cash <laughs> offer. You bring a briefcase. You bring a briefcase. You gotta get like the handcuff to attach to it. <laughs> Have you ever seen those? Like, uh, they're like you think that like ten thousand dollars in cash is like a ton of money, but it's just like the, a stack of bills <laughs> like this big, something like yeah. that. Yeah, but like if you got like a million dollars, it's it weighs quite a bit. I think I forget what they say. Like, cause. It, always at the end of the, the poker tournaments and stuff, they always have that big pile of cash. And like, this weighs 57 pounds or whatever, you know? And you're always like, wow, that's crazy. Did I tell you I guys that the million dollars home. is missing from downtown Las Vegas? The Binions took it out? I think I told you guys that, right? Because it used to be like in a, a, a case, right? That you could go look at it? Yeah, we were just there, what, like last year, right? When we did the MTM meetup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the MTM group, we were downtown and you guys took pictures there. But yeah, that whole area is empty and so now you can't see what a million dollars looks like in Vegas. They needed that money. So <laughs> I think out. so. I really think so. <laughs> I like, I, it's no gotta be, right? As soon as like, COVID, a lot of cash like, okay. just, to sit, just to be sitting there, not doing anything. Like, I guess it draws people in. It's an, a, you know, an attraction like anything else, but it is kind of crazy. Well, when you think about it. Those 70% off clearances in the store there in Vegas, they're not doing it. They weren't, they weren't <laughs> by, it. They my store, it. you mean some uh, Z-Racks that they just pushed and hung crap up in the hallway. <laughs> well, there is a store, but then the, they allow the store where there used to be a casino where it's just empty floor space. They allow the store to put all their racks outside. So there is a store there, but yeah, they have just racks full of stuff. Although when I was there last time, only the store, they, they had downsized to just having their clothes in the store at 70% off. They didn't have anything out. The whole floor was empty. So, it's like those old Kmart sales. Our jewelry is 90% off. We just marked it up 90%. <laughs> it's a deal. Yeah. Come get it. I, I did look through some Kmart jewelry during some of their store closures. And yeah, it was just even at 90% off. You're like, no, no, thank you. Yeah, I worked at Kmart in college and it was just, I'm like, why do we even have a jewelry person standing here? Nobody ever buys anything from this case. Man, I got some stories from Kmart I'll have to tell sometime. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear stories from a Kmart employee? You know, the retail stories of just the, the type of people you get coming in, man. It was bizarre. How about you, Joe? How have things been up there in, uh, in Mass? Pretty good. I would like to use my time to question why neither of you cares about Aeroplan. I was uh, taking a look at the award chart and 90,000 miles from 
Boston to Europe in first class on like Lufthansa or something like that looks pretty good to me. A hundred thousand for you from the West coast. So I don't know. Round, you guys, round trip or one way, one way, but still it's yeah. no, no more, uh, no more fuel, <laughs> no more fuel surcharges. And you know, some of us are sitting on tons of miles now. So it got me uh, excited for possibilities. <laughs> well, Deborah, I haven't had a chance to even to look at it very much. I did notice that my, my go-to redemption would be uh, business class to Europe from the West Coast, that certainly has gone up, I think, from 55000 to 70000 just off the top of my head. But I haven't had a chance to dive into the whole program. So maybe uh, we'll get that done and, and be able to discuss it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, it's almost worth waiting because they said something about credit cards and stuff, but they have not said like whether membership rewards will still be able to transfer and stuff like that. So I do think it's worth waiting to figure out because like if this new program means that I can't transfer membership rewards, well, then that kind of just kills almost everything. So, you know, I guess we have to see when all that stuff shakes out. I know the news just broke this morning as we're recording on uh, August 11th. And, you know, I haven't seen anything about that. And I haven't really dug into it either, but I just poked around a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely exciting or interesting whenever like a, a, a huge revamp is done like this. And I'm sure there's sweet spots, like you said, 90,000 from the East Coast, especially if you don't have fuel surcharges, because that was always a big deal with Aeroplan. Some airlines like United didn't have fuel surcharges on Aeroplan awards, but Lufthansa always did. And that was several hundred dollars, if I remember right. So uh, if you yeah. can, I mean, that does seem like a very good deal. You know. Yeah, I got to give a, well, I mean, for Lufthansa, it was like, you can either do Avianca, which who wants to risk that anymore? Or you can do like United for 110,000 without fuel surcharges. So 90,000 is a good sweet spot. I do want to give a shout out to David O in the chat. He is asking, are lap infants on aeroplanes still good? I want to shout that out because that was the second thing that I was wondering about because right right now lap infants are like $50, 75, 125 economy business first, like a flat charge. And it's like almost, I don't have any more lap infants, but I had them. I was going to say, is there a bun in the oven or what? What Actually... Uh, I just took out my wife's bread, but it was a literal bun in the oven, not a metaphorical one. We're getting we're getting ready to go on let our me, trip. My wife baked her bread four days early, not the night before. Um, but let anyway, me Google just took out my wife's bread to see if there's any slang for that. But uh, it would be it would be rough. God, if, uh, oh my God. It would be rough if lap infants. Um, were no longer like that price. So you know, it'd be interesting to see. And then, um, sorry, I can't see it. Like in the chat live, but someone else also said that it's stopovers for 5k now. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. So, you know, there's, there's going to be good and bad and, you know, we can break it down another time, but that's what I want to use my check-in time for today. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Lufthansa opens up more first class space further out. That would be very nice for partners because then you could take advantage of the new prices and you wouldn't have to wait to the last minute to book, which has always been a problem with them. But yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that more on the site for sure. I, maybe on the podcast, we'll see, but uh, I know Mark and I had busy mornings, so we weren't able to Dive into that. And nobody was nice enough to send it to us in advance. What's up with that? That special treatment. I know. What's up? Uh, I, saw, I woke up. I saw the posts. And then I checked I checked uh, our site. And I was like, dang, they did us dirty. There's no way that people wrote those posts at 6 a.m. Not having the information before. Sad. Well, people sold their souls for that information. And we didn't have to do that, Joe. <laughs> just, just I do have uh, Ryan's going to work on like a sweet spot article for early next week so he's going to look through the program the new chart and and pick some of the best uh redemptions out of it cool so maybe if we can get uh, get that we'll we'll talk about that on a future show go into the 
into the sweet spots of the program and break that uh, down. But, you know, it's been a few weeks since we talked about Vegas. So I figured people, they were doing the Vegas Disney drinking game that it's time to kind of to feed them a bone here. <laughs> and yeah, we'll talk about Vegas. The YouTube channel, the Miles Members YouTube channel has been blowing up with uh, our Vegas videos. I've been doing tour videos and breaking down the news there as well. So if you're interested in miles to memory or youtube.com forward slash miles to memories, but this week, the Las Vegas convention and visitors authority released the June visitor numbers. And this isn't anything new. They do this every month and they do it for the year. And they basically make all of this information public, but it allows us to kind of see how I guess bad Las Vegas really did in June. Although there are some good numbers and there's some positive ways to sort of look at the numbers. But I guess the, the big headline is visitors were down 70%, 70.5% in June compared to June 2019. And in reality, June 2019, there was 3.6 million people who visited Las Vegas. And this year, about just over a million. Do either of those numbers surprise you guys? I mean, on the plus side, I mean, a million people came to Las Vegas in June. That's a lot of people. But of course, uh, significantly less than before. Yeah, I do wonder how much of that 3.6 or whatever it was, uh, whatever the number was, was from conferences and stuff. So I think that's the big hit. Like, I am surprised that a million people went in June. One, because it's just sweaty hot. And then two, just because everything that's going on. But yeah, I wonder what they've missed out on on these big conferences, because that's the lifeblood of Vegas, really. I mean, people think it's gambling and stuff, but it's kind of moved to more of a center for, you know, dining and in the big thing is conferences. So that draws the people in and then they spend money while they're there. I'm guessing that that wasn't in the information, but it would be interesting yeah, to there. see. Oh, is it? It's, it's there. So 514,000 people last June visited a conference in Vegas compared to zero this year. So a hundred percent drop in conference attendance, but that, that still means that we lost out on a couple million tourists. The other sort of interesting thing is occupancy. They 40.9% was the occupancy in June compared to around 91% last year. So it's a huge drop and it's actually bigger than that. I actually missed this the first time I went through the numbers, but the occupancy is based on available rooms. So about in a year ago, there was about 150,000 available rooms in Las Vegas, whereas right now there's about 95,000. So there's a 40% occupancy based on the 95,000, which if I do the math correctly, I did it earlier, I think it's about a 26% occupancy if you compare it to the total, uh, including all the closed hotels and all of that. So it's a pretty significant drop and a huge amount of uh, people not coming. Yeah, I mean, Joe, do you is any of this a surprise to you? Or are you surprised that a million people still came or did you expect the numbers to be a little higher? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised at that million number. And I guess... I'm surprised that, you know, I've been looking at your videos and stuff like that, that a million people, I know it's not all in one day or anything like that, but, you know, I'm surprised that the casinos still look that empty. And I just, you know, I kind of don't understand, I guess, the scale of like, you know, when you have X number of people in a city, you know, how busy it's going to look. But, you know, I've seen pictures and videos of Vegas and it just looks so dead. That's why like a number like a million, I mean, so a million out of 3.6, that's like, you know, 27% of uh, how many there were last year. Uh oh, Joe's doing math. Uh oh. So, that's uh, <laughs> math. Can I get through one statement without you interrupting me, Mark? So, I, I think it's pretty crazy because it does look really empty, but a million people that still seems like a lot. But I guess, you know, Vegas isn't doing it too well. But I, you said there was like good news. Well, there is some good news in the uh, in the average room rate. So, 
I guess we start with there's two numbers that you can kind of look like look at the average room rate and the rev par. Rev revenue rev par is revenue per available room, and the rev par is pretty bad. It was forty two dollars fifty six cents in June of this year, and that's compared to one hundred and ten dollars and forty three cents last year. Does that so include gambling? That does not include gambling, as far as I understand. So the, the casino would be separate. So this is room rate, any ancillary fees, resort fees, anything that's charged to the room. So maybe usually it's it's dining and stuff like that. Um, I don't have the breakdown of what they're including, but generally gaming wouldn't be included. The gaming gaming revenues wouldn't be included with that. But essentially they're going from four from $110 to every available room, 150,000 available rooms down to $42 for the 95,000 available. It's even worse, you know, downtown was went from $53 down to $21 and then the strip from 120 down to 47. So it was just big drops, but they're not discounting the rooms nearly as much. The average daily room rate only went down from about $120 to $104. So people are still paying higher rates and the casinos seem to be adjusting the rates. They were pretty low when they first opened, but I've been seeing kind of rates going up. And maybe not quite as high as they were before, especially for the summer, but they're not charging, you know, really, really cheap rates to the public, at least, you know, they are offering comp offers and doing stuff like that. But as is evidenced by, you know, just a 13% drop in the average daily rate, they're still managing to charge a decent amount of money that says that people want to come here, at least a small subset of the population wants to come here and they're willing to pay to do that. So like with Disney World, I now feel like they are not discounting their rooms for two reasons. One, by keeping them higher, like I think they're artificially limiting their attendance. Like I don't think they want like a ton of people to come yet because they're worried about the bad PR. But then secondly, I think they realize that there are people who will come and still pay the higher rates. And that's why they don't need to offer discounts. You think Vegas is in a similar situation? I mean, what's your, I guess, hypothesis on why they're not raising the rates? Yeah, I think there's there's two things there. Obviously, uh, hotels are, I believe, capped at 50% capacity. So they hit 40.9% on average, and they've been hitting 50% on the weekends. But we have to remember, a third of the hotel rooms are offline. So that means that they're artificially keeping that capacity low. And I think you're exactly right. They don't want to discount the rooms to a point where it's going to cost them more to, to operate it. So they don't want to sell a room at a loss with the anticipation that you're going to spend money in the casino and the restaurants when based, you know, this is completely anecdotally, but the people who are visiting now don't seem to be spending as much money on, on sort of the ancillary stuff. And so I think that they've seen that change in demographic and now they're trying to get it in the room rates because they realize that, you know, rooms aren't really a loss leader and they're not going to sell a room for $10 a night and then hope to make it up in the casino because it doesn't seem like that's happening. Now that's completely anecdotal, but I will say I've been on the strip many times and from my own experience, it does seem like there is a, you know, a little bit of a different demographic than normally is here. And maybe not a different demographic, but I guess the people who are showing up may be less diverse economically, I guess, than than normal. So they're just trying to adjust to who's coming and to make it the best experience. And then also to make sure they're not losing money. Why open up a hotel room if you're not going to make money? On it? So that's More scooters that. too. Yeah. Mark's obsessed with the scooters. Yes, there's scooters everywhere here. It's been a problem for years, but yes, for some reason, the last couple of months, people are enjoying the scooters. They're enjoying, you know, libations while they're driving the scooters. They're, they seem to be enjoying almost running people over quite often. I haven't heard about this. They're like scooters for rent, like uh, blue exactly bikes like in Disney, New York City, or yeah, like those Disney scooters. You know, the drive the the motorized scooters for you know for people who are disabled or have mobility issues. 
they have rental companies, just kind of like what Disney has had. And it seems like lately there's a lot of young people who are renting them and driving around on the strip kind of recklessly. And I've, I've seen Taking it. Taking them up uh, escalators and stuff. <laughs> and it's not just me. There's been some big Vegas, you know, Twitter accounts and lots of people in Vegas. If you go on Twitter, have been have noticed it and have documented it. And so it's not just me noticing it. It's definitely something going on. I mean, I've almost gotten ran over by a couple of them, but I haven't. And, you know, it's a minor annoyance at, at worst. But got to get it on video. When you said scooter, I thought I thought you meant yeah. like two wheelers, like mopeds, like if you're in Asia yeah. or something like that. But you mean like ECVs. Oh, like the Lime yeah. scooters and These stuff. Giant yeah. ones. Yeah. These giant yeah, ones. Yeah. There's pictures of them taking them up the escalators on the pedestrian bridges and just all kinds of crazy stuff. But yeah, if you watch my on the YouTube channel, there's a nighttime walking tour and there's a Bellagio. Um, there's a section where I'm out in front of Bellagio Fountains, and there's this one shot where you can see this guy just zigzagging in and around crowds, going as fast, you know, hitting, going as fast as he can, and and he almost ran over a ton of people. And I've seen that a lot. So Mark thinks I should film it all and and put a video out. Yes. I don't know, but uh, scooter shaming, scooter shaming. <laughs> no, I mean, scooter, I, the, the problem games, is you don't know yeah. who needs them and who doesn't, and I'm not going to be the person to judge that. I would hate to ever assume that somebody didn't need something that they need. And Las Vegas is huge and walking around is, is hard, but so I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out there and say that the people who are renting these are not in need of them, but they do seem to be younger. They do seem, I have seen some of them get out of them walking around just fine or carrying it's a problem over my head. I'm not going to solve that. What? Or carrying them, getting out and carrying them up an escalator, like lifting yes, them yeah, up. We've seen, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's all, all the fun. So let's, let's talk one more number. And that's the, the passengers who actually flew into McCarran. And that number is actually down even more, which isn't a huge surprise because, you know, less people flying. Last year, 4,444,000 people uh, deplaned at McCarran Airport. And this year, just over a million, 1,041,000. So a 76.6% drop in passengers arriving by plane. Now, on the flip side, if you look at, they also measure passengers arriving via California by car. And I think that number is only down like 13%. So clearly a lot of people are still driving up here and that's where the majority of the people are coming from, from California, especially, and not, they're not flying nearly as much, but I mean, still a million people flew here in June. So, I mean, that's, I mean, it's one of the busier airports in the country, so that's not a huge surprise. And we've seen air traffic kind of steadily increasing. I know I've seen a lot of people with pictures on planes that are much fuller these days than they were a month or two ago. That's a lot of fours in uh, last year. Four, yeah. four million, four hundred. Isn't four an unlucky number? I feel like that's an unlucky number. In Chinese, the, it is. Yeah, that's what I thought. So COVID happened because. Now, if you doubled it to eight, Vegas. that would be very lucky in China. Very auspicious, right, Joe? Eight. I only I remember yeah, that. Was, the uh, Olympics. Yeah, it was August eight, eight the other day. And I was like, oh, this is supposed to be a good day. But, you know, no day is a good day these days. Was it sunny out? Maybe just take the little wins. Small yeah. wins. It's been sunny every day too sunny it's very hot (laughs) you got your sweat towel this week (laughs) you mean uh the bottom of my shirt when i'm off camera yeah i do have that (laughs) all right i highly suggest checking out these numbers we'll put a link in the show notes and a link to a video i did a full video breaking them down and we have an article on the website and it's really interesting gaming revenues are in there too down 51 percent. you can look at laughlin which is actually surprisingly doing better than vegas I actually went out there yesterday to film it. So there'll be a video coming from Laughlin soon if you're interested. Kind of a, a crazy town and something interesting to see. But yeah, check out the numbers in the uh, in the show notes. 
And I know that Mark is definitely ready to talk about Southwest and what he perceives to be an amazing offer that they made to customers yesterday. Right, Mark? Southwest, where everybody flies first class, right? Every seat's the same. <laughs> yes. That's what we tell ourselves, first class, every time we get on, on the plane. <laughs> Which I always found it crazy that people pay for the business to get, like, one drink. You pay, like, $200 more to get a drink. I mean, I know there's... if people's companies are paying for it. They're like, I don't care. I want the extra points or whatever, but I always found that bizarre because you don't get anything else. Um, but anyways, uh, back to the Southwest voucher. So they promised uh, months ago that they were going to allow people to turn vouchers from all these canceled flights into points and they were going to give a good rate. So we've been waiting for like three months. I think this was announced back in like May. So we've been waiting for, you know, several months to, to see exactly what they what they were going to give us. And uh, it came out yesterday. We, I think we were like the first people to cover it. But the transfer rate was, or you're buying points essentially from Southwest if you turn your voucher into points at 1.28 cents per point, which is pretty good because you can usually turn around and redeem them for 1.4 to 1.6, somewhere in that range, uh, depending on the flight and the taxes and everything. 1.4 to 1.6 cents. So you're actually buying them at a discount with money that's already trapped with Southwest. And then by making this change, your points, they, they recently made it so Raptor Rewards points no longer expire. So you're turning a voucher with an expiration date into points that never expire. You're also turning a voucher that only works for a specific person into points that you can book for anyone. So there's a lot of uh, advantages to going this route. Uh, figuring out the value, it's about a break even versus using the voucher and earning points for the flight. And tra versus transferring them two points. So it's break even, but you get way more perks by going the points route, in my opinion. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, I think anytime you know the vouchers are going to expire, that you can change them into something more flexible, I think is a good thing. And you know, I didn't think Southwest really had to do this. And I think that they kind of approached it from the most customer-friendly point of view. And I appreciate that. I totally agree with your uh, assessment of it. And we'll put the link in the, in the show notes for that. Because, you know, I think in most cases, people are going to want to cash them in. But I think it was also interesting because you came up with some interesting kind of higher level strategies that people might take for booking flights. And essentially, you could convert ultimate rewards points to Southwest at a better ratio, right, than just transferring them. Yeah, you could do because uh, basically like if you're buying or you could just buy Southwest points at a discount. You can if you book it through a portal like Chase or using uh, your altitude reserve card, that type of thing, you book the flight cancel it immediately it takes like a day for it to for the voucher to update to the proper date so you can cash them in because it has to have the september 7th 2022 date on it for you to be able to, to transfer those over to points so when you first cancel it it only gives it for a year out but then after i think it's midnight that night it, it turns into the proper one because they extend them all so you have you have until the uh, september 7th of this year to do it and then once it's extended you can tr transfer it back into points by doing this, you're actually buying the flight for less points, essentially, because you're getting a better rate when you're trying. I'm making this way too confusing for people. <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was thinking about this and I mean, it's hard to explain. Like, yeah, I mean, I think you should definitely read the site, the post about how to actually do that. I did have a question, like when you book it through Chase, when you cancel, you just do just do it the same way. You just cancel on southwest.com and then it just goes to your travel vouchers or whatever. Like you don't have to go through Chase uh, or Amex or anyone to worry about that, do you? 
No, because it will be booked um, through Southwest. So you just use your like Southwest confirmation code. And if you're doing this through Chase, you have to call in because it's not a option on the portal. So you have to call in to do the booking. So that's kind of annoying. But you get your Southwest confirmation code. When you go to cancel, you cancel and say re- hold funds for later use. So basically, like the example I used is uh, 10,000 points. You use Chase. You're buying $150 plane ticket on Southwest. You cancel that voucher. You get back like... I don't know, was it 16, 17,000 points? Then you can turn around and rebook that same flight for 15,000 Southwest points. So you end up getting like a 2,000 point cushion or extra bonus for doing this, for doing a couple extra steps. So all that math's broken down in the post. But yeah, there's a, a couple different ways. Even if you're just buying a cash flight, you could play this game and, and keep a little bit of points for yourself by buying the cash flight, canceling it, and then rebooking it with Rapid Rewards points. So there's a couple different things you can do with it. It's pretty unique. Yeah, one other thing that I thought of was um, you could cash out your Amex um, airline credits for this uh, because recently when you've been booking Southwest flights for under $100, that's been working. So I think that's another option uh, that you could do. One question I had for you guys was in terms of the math, I'm kind of with you. In fact, I don't even worry about the math too much. I think the flexibility, I mean, I don't fly Southwest, but if this was me, like the flexibility of being able to use the points to like book for my family, not having to book for myself, I'm traveling less. So even if I had a thousand dollars in Southwest Southwest vouchers, maybe I'm not able to you know use that all up even in the two years, but if I could use for my family as points is better. My one concern is like, what happens if they devalue? Like, and what are your, I guess, worries about the likelihood of something like that happening because obviously if you convert to points and they devalue their points then you know you don't get whatever you calculated your value to be yeah i think for sure that's a something to consider and that's something i put in the post you know we're kind of on that every few years southwest does a little bit of a devaluation so it's coming up on that this time of year i don't know if they'll do it because the pr would be so bad with everything else that's going on but it's definitely a risk especially if you're not planning on using the points for a while but those vouchers are going to expire in a couple of years. You have until uh, December to make this decision. So if you're, you kind of want to wait it out, you can, as long as you have the vouchers already. So I would, you know, I encourage you to stay, to, to wait a little bit if you're nervous about it. I, I did my transfers because I'm not too worried about it. If they do devalue it, I don't think it will be enough to make a huge difference. Another thing Benji did who writes for the site is if you have some Southwest gift cards and you want to turn them into points, so you don't have like four different gift cards. Southwest only lets you book with three gift cards at a time. So if you have some smaller denomination gift cards, stuff like that from previous Amex airline incidental credits, when you could do it by bu- buying gift cards, you can actually buy a flight with the gift cards and then turn the, cancel it, turn that voucher into points too. So that's another option. But yeah, devaluation is something you got to worry about for sure. What do you think, Sean? Well, I think that Southwest gets way too much credit on this, that no uh, revenue-based program should devalue because... Essentially, they've pegged their currency to the prices of flights, and they therefore they shouldn't devalue. Unfortunately, Southwest has done that a couple of times before, and they will again. And that just means that over time, the rapid rewards program will become less valuable as flights get more expensive. But flights have don't follow the typical inflationary curve, so they can be less. So yeah, I think your your point is valid there as far as that goes. And I think another kind of interesting thing I saw in the comments of your post is how people are valuing points. And, you know, you you say they're worth between 1.4 and 1.6. When you make that calculation, you're subtracting out the, the fee that you would pay on an award because um, you're also paying a small portion in cash. So uh, that's in the comments. But just people should keep that in mind uh, when you're looking at the value that you're getting. You know, if you're buying a $75 ticket, 
that's going to include the, the security fee in it. Whereas if you're using Rapids Rewards Points, you're still going to have to pay uh, the, you know, what is it, 560 uh, in taxes and fees or, you know, the security charge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, keep that in mind. There's a lot of good comments actually on this post. If people want to go look in some different questions and, and things that people, you know, were wondering about. But I think for most people, the correct answer will be to convert into points. And I think even people who fly Southwest a lot, I know I have some CNB points that I'm going to have to redeem fairly soon. And that might be a good way for me to do it without having to think too much. So definitely uh, a lot to think about here. And on one hand, I definitely praise Southwest uh, for doing this. And on the other hand, I'm going to plead with them not to devalue their currency because it's already revenue-based, so they shouldn't have to do that. A last thing to make sure uh, people are clear, this September 7th deadline, like you kind of have to, if you're going to do this book and cancel thing, if you don't already have vouchers, there's a deadline. Is it do it by September 7th or do it a few days before that, just in case? Yeah, always. I always say do it a couple days before. I think you'd be fine up until September 7th. But if, if you book and cancel the same day, but I would do it a couple days before. There's no point waiting to the last minute. <laughs> so yeah, definitely give yourself a couple days. People like to procrastinate. I know I like to yep. procrastinate. I'm always rushing at the last minute and Mark's making fun of me for doing it. But what's new uh, there? But do you guys have anything else to add on this? I Like I said, I definitely think reading the website to kind of break this down is a good move and definitely go down into the comments. We still do have comments on Miles to Metric. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, even comments where they say that we're terrible and we should have terrible travel experiences. Those are the only comments I've seen on Miles <laughs> One of My Vegas post, the Vegas numbers post, somebody commented. He's like, there's a lot of nice, useful comments here. Plus troll. He's like an interesting mix of useful comments and trolls in the, in the comment section. Cause we do get our fair share of people who hate us, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why you hate us. Why do you hate us people? But they do. You're just asking for more. <laughs> why are for them? Why are our faces so punchable? Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And then with that, we'll move on to rapid fire. And Mark, you want to start us off? Yeah. So the first one is American Express has some new offers for the platinum and gold card. It's a mix of uh, membership rewards, sign up, uh, welcome offer, as well as 20% back on restaurants. For the gold card, you can get it up to $250. For the platinum, it's up to three hundred dollars, um, and then for the gold card, it's a uh, thirty-five thousand membership rewards after four thousand in spend, and for the platinum, it's sixty thousand. So it's pretty close to like their public average. Um, you can usually do a little bit better on each one. So you have to weigh, you know, gold fifty k offer comes around sometimes. You know, is two fifty two hundred fifty dollars in restaurant credit worth more than fifteen thousand membership rewards points? Platinum, you can get seventy five k or hundred k occasionally if you're lucky and you work some voodoo to get that offer. But I will say, I think the platinum one's better. I would hold off for the gold for the the higher offer, but platinum with $300 credit, the 60,000 points, as well as you, you should still get the, as far as I understand, you should still get the streaming credits and the, uh, the $20 a month in streaming and $20 a month in a uh, cell phone. So all that adds up. It's a pretty great offer. And uh, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> How about you, Sean? All right. Yeah, I definitely uh, check those offers out. And I'm going to talk about Amazon. And I know this is something that Mark talks about a lot. He uh, just republished his article and updated it. Get yourself paid for those late Amazon shipments. Don't take it lying down in a typical Mark-like title there. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's true. Obviously, shipments are often late with Amazon lately. And during the early days of the pandemic, I think they stopped kind of giving credits and they stopped 
sort of making right for, for delays, but they seem to be doing it again. And I know that myself, uh, this last week, they lost the shipment, or actually, they didn't lose it. Uh, UPS supposedly lost it, but I think it actually did make it here after like a month. Um, but anyway, they credited me back for that. And they also gave me a, they offered a $5 credit. I pushed back a little bit, got $10 credit. And it was like a $15 item. So no complaints there. But just a reminder, if you're paying for your prime service, you're paying for a certain expectation. And if they're consistently not delivering on that, or if you feel like, you know, you're not getting your value there, don't hesitate to ask them. Don't hesitate to push. And I know that we both had success with that. I don't do it every time. I don't even do it that often. But when it's something that's egregious, like losing my package, I feel like the amount of time I have to spend to get that fixed warrants a credit. That's just that's just me. And they seem to agree. Yeah, my my recent subscribers uh, subscribe order, I think I had like 10 items and eight of them showed up late or two of them got canceled outright, which was like Gatorade. Like, why are you canceling Gatorade? But like eight of the 10 either didn't show up at all or came late. So, you know, I was getting credit for that. <laughs> Joe shook, shook his head. I'm shaking my head at Amazon, not at Mark. Yes. I mean, Amazon Amazon stopped paying these out uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, and then they realized they made like a billion dollars on the pandemic, and they were like, oh, maybe we should start paying these out again. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, they're, they're making tons of money, and I know I spend a lot of money on Amazon, especially with reselling. I do... I spend a ton on Amazon, so I will never, I, I never feel shy about asking them for something when I feel like there was a legitimate concern. I will say the same thing works for Walmart and Target. Uh, I've recently done both. So if you're getting late from anything, if they have a promised shipping date and it comes like three, four days later, it's worth an, uh, a, a, a quick chat to try to get some type of compensation. So both of those work as well. Cool. And uh, Joe, you want to finish this off with your rapid fire? Yeah, so Mark last week said he signed up for the Choice Privileges credit card. And, you know, like most uh, travel hackers, my response was, uh, who cares about Choice Privileges? But then Mark mentioned that post that Benji had about like some of their aspirational uh, redemption, some of the partners and stuff like that. So I took a quick look at Benji's post and bookmarked it. There are some options, like you don't have to only use your Choice Privilege points at the Econolage. I know Mark talked about some of those options last week, but... <laughs> I think this is a good uh, post for you to bookmark. So we'll have it in the show notes. And, you know, if you end up with choice privilege points or if you're looking for that credit card sign up hit and you need to sign up for choice privileges to do that, uh, you know, this Benji's post uh, gives you some options for what to look at. Yeah, and occasionally it can even make sense to transfer points to cho choice uh, depending on, you know, cash prices. And if it's like a 10,000 a night room or something, a lot of people you know, brush it off as a transfer partner, but it is something that can make sense. You can get, you know, one and a half cents per point at time. So something to keep in the back of your mind for sure. Yeah, for sure. Check that out. Uh, links to all of those in the show notes. And uh, before we close out one year, guys, that's been what, 52 episodes. I think we've all missed one episode in that time. I think, well, technically I didn't miss because I was on the end of it, but. Okay. <laughs> Just oh, take the guess. L, man. Just take the L. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the one where my mic broke. <laughs> so we're, we are, you may see over the next couple months, one of us occasionally taking a week off as we do some interviews and, and fill in some more content. But we're all here uh, continuing to do the show. And we appreciate uh, all of you for listening, for watching, and for uh, for continuing to, to stick with us through this these crazy times sort of insane at the beginning and now we have more stuff to talk about and uh, we definitely the audience means a lot to us uh, mtm readers listeners 
you guys mean a ton to us. So thank you so much for the last uh, for the last year, and we're going to continue to go strong. And um, I'll let you guys uh, say anything you want about the the year as you, Joe. You want to start us off as you talk about where else people can find you. Yeah, I mean, Echo, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for all of you uh, in the MTM Diamond Lounge who are listening live. Uh, we appreciate you as well. You can find me on social media at As a Joe Flies all over the place. You can check out my newsletter, tinyletter.com slash As a Joe Flies, Miles and Points podcast, com, and my Disney podcast, DisneyDeciphered.com, talking about visiting Disney during COVID times and how it's uh, so different. What about you, Mark? Joe, are you getting a little choked up there? A little emotional? Uh, no, I have a mouth issue that's making it difficult to talk. <laughs> sure, a mouth issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm choking on my tears. Yeah. I'm choking. I am choking, choking on my sweat. I am choking on my sweat. I am like dying. So hurry up, uh, please. Yeah, big uh, big thanks to everybody that listens, uh, watches the YouTube channel, reads the site. Big thanks to the Patreon members in our Diamond group. Uh, you guys are awesome. We started out this. I, I was green behind the ears. I'm still probably not great at this whole podcasting thing, but I appreciate Joe not cutting out all my laughs in the editing. And, um, you know, it's been a fun ride. So I look forward to many years to come. Our 15-year anniversary is coming up uh, when this podcast releases on Thursday. So I love my wife, Kirsten. Thank you so much for supporting me in all this craziness that I do. It's been the best 15 years of my life, and I look forward to 20, 30, 40 more. Hopefully, I can live that long. That's, that's happy, very sweet. Happy anniversary also, to both of you. Yeah, happy anniversary. The only wife who listens, so that's awesome. <laughs> Gives me notes, tells me not to sing, so good stuff. And if you want to get in touch with me, email me, mark at milestomemories.com, on Twitter at mccosty1038. Comment on any of the articles or in our Facebook group, so I'll get back to you there. How about you, Sean? We have milestomemories.com for our 50-plus articles a week. And, of course, our Facebook group and uh, disneyhacks.com if you're interested in Disney. Joe and I compete with Disney Podcasts, although his has been around a lot longer. But uh, we did talk uh, with a guest this week about exactly what Joe talked about on his show, uh, what it's like in all of the Orlando theme parks and how Universal and SeaWorld are doing it compared to Disney, which ones are better uh, which experience is good, which experience is bad. Um, somebody who's been in every single resort and every single park since they reopened. So that was a really cool show. And then, of course, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We're just about at the past 200,000 views the last 30 days, 2,500 subscribers. It's been pretty cool. I'm going to continue to make those tour videos and get out and show people what Vegas is like. So if you're interested in Vegas, definitely check those out. And uh, thanks again to the uh, Patreon Diamond members as well for continuing to support us and helping us to, to make this content both on the site, on YouTube, the podcasts, and uh, everything else we do. So thanks again for listening, watching, and reading. Bye. See you next time. Stay safe, everyone. I've been forcing Jasmine to watch the YouTube videos. So I'm not forcing her, but she actually doesn't <laughs> mind watching me. I may or may not, when I go to bed, just put play all and then turn the computer screen off. <laughs> I don't, I, hey, if it, if it makes you happy, that's that's good to go. I have I, left, left it running I do it a little bit. I love for John. Play all. <laughs>